pray with me? Father, thank you for being that which holds us together. Thank you for your love for us and your goodness. God, as we open up your word now, may you quiet our hearts. May you remove the distractions that we all face and we all deal with. May we focus on you. In your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians, the second chapter. It was a couple weeks ago, and we were doing the first meal for the teachers that, that we've, we've done three now. And we were doing our first meal right here at Hoover High School. And there were about 100 teachers that had come through and had, had begun eating, eating the dinner that we had provided for them on their conference night. And everything was going great, and the teachers were incredibly friendly. And all of a sudden, somebody whistled like a, like a coach would whistle. And we look over, and it was Principal Paulia. And Principal Paulia from the high school here walked into the room, and he just quieted all the teachers down, and he apologized for whistling. And he made it a point to recognize the efforts that the church had gone through to feed the teachers. And he led them in a round of applause, and they were very appreciative. And he said some very kind words about our ministry and about our leader, Pastor Steve Marshall. Now, the stage was set. Principal Paulia had put it on a tee. There are moments where great men rise to the occasion and produce speeches the world will never forget. President Kennedy at his inauguration, ask not what this country can do for you. Ask what you can do for this country. President Reagan at the Berlin Wall, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. President Bush in New York City just days after the terrorist attacks. I hear you. The world hears you. And soon the men who caused this destruction will hear all of us. I'm here to tell you the speech was not one of those moments of greatness. <laughs> not by a long shot. And so as the room was hushed, Steve begins talking about how important teachers are and how, how he learned early on how important education was. And he references a book that he read in the 80s, and nobody knew about it. <laughs> no one at all. And then grasping, knowing that they didn't connect with this book from the 80s, he began to go to the personal touch. And he talked about how in his family, he, he comes from a long line of educators, and how just earlier that day, he had met here at Hoover High School an educator from his own family by the name of Mark and just how proud he was of Mark for Mark's efforts in educating children. He's like, and Mark, and he keeps pointing to the back, and Mark and the efforts he's doing, and I'm just, I mean, Mark, what, what he's doing, and Mark, where are you, Mark? Mark? Looking around, nothing. And he throws one more, Mark? And all of a sudden, out of the back, a guy raises his hand, and he goes, uh, my name's Brian. He was calling the guy by the wrong name the entire time. And it's just one of those moments that most people just cringe and they feel so sorry for somebody. I am not most people. And I just began cackling at a level that I didn't even try to hide. And tears began to form in the corners of my eyes and ran down my cheeks as I was standing behind the tray of chicken, all watching Steve's misery. 
It was absolutely wonderful. But we've all been there. We've all been there when we've gotten somebody's name wrong. And it's just one of those things that you just, you don't really know how to, you can't recover from it. There's really no good way of being like, I'm just messing with, no, you're not. You just don't know their name. And it's just awkward. And it's, it's just, oh, that tension's there. And it's, it's miserable. And, and so when we build relationships, we run that risk. We run that risk when we build relationships. We, we all know that there are stages of, stages of building relationships. There's the, the introduction. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Hi. And you receive their name, hopefully. And then you go with the surface level. You talk about something that you believe everybody would have in common. And here, whether you admit it or not, you make a judgment call. You make a judgment call whether or not you will extend the conversation beyond this point. You make the call of, if I like what, what's going on here, I'll, I'll continue. And if not, we'll leave it at there and we'll say, great, and we'll part ways. But if things are going well, then you look and you, you, set, you sense to establish some common ground. That's the next step at this. And then beyond that, your, your intention is to develop intimacy. We see this in every relationship that goes on. It begins with an introduction. If that goes well, you go to the surface information. If that goes well, you seek to find some deeper common ground. And if that goes well, you attempt to develop intimacy. And this is the process, not just in interpersonal relationships and communications, but this is the process that we've seen the Gentiles go through in Ephesians chapter 2. Now, a couple weeks ago, we looked and we saw, at, to, begin the, to begin the second chapter of Ephesians, we saw grace. And we saw how God loved us and he saved us. And it's not because of ourselves. It's not because of us. It's not a work lest any of us boast. It is God's gift to us. And then last week, we saw how the Gentiles before Christ, they were alienated. They were apart from God. They were strangers. They didn't have any aspect of the covenant. They were without God and without hope in the world. That was their standing. But now as a result of Jesus Christ, he has broken down the barriers, which we saw last week, and he has made it so that we are all on equal footing. And that's where we pick up today, knowing that Christ has broken down the barriers He's made a relationship available. And this morning we start in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household. Of God. There was no longer us and them. There's no longer us or them. There's no longer that distinction. Because Christ, when He came and He paid the price for our sin on our behalf at the cross, He removed that distinction. He broke down those barriers. And so there's no more distinction. This year during the Super Bowl, one of the most responded to ads that we can track. Was, was the Bank of America partnership with U2 and their AIDS organization where they gave away their, their new song, Invisible, uh, for free for, for a period of 24 hours. And in that span of 24 hours, with all the proceeds the Bank of America would, would make up for the free downloads, they raised over $3 million. Over 3 million, over 3 million downloads occurred of the song Invisible by U2. And this is the bridge of, of, their, of their song. This is how the song ends. And it's a song against, uh, 
that's partnered with the organization's Fight Against AIDS. And this is the bridge to that song. There is no them. There is no them. There's only us. There's only us. There is no them. There is no them. There's only you. And there's only me. There is no them. And we, church, are no longer in us against them. We no longer have to worry about that distinction because Christ knocked down the barrier and Christ removed the us versus them and Christ made us. He made we. We're all unified. We're all together as a result of his work and the barriers that he broke down because of his sacrifice for us. Think about this. Think about what this verse says. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. It's not that the Gentiles just moved from strangers to familiar. They didn't just go from, oh, we once were strangers, but now we have some familiarity. We once didn't know anything, but now we, we've gotten to know each other and we've built a comfortable level there. No, they go even further. You once were strangers. Not only are you now familiar, you are part of the same household. This is the work of Jesus. Jesus came to break down barriers and he destroys them. And he doesn't move us from strangers to familiar. He moves us from strangers to family. And this is something we need to model as the church. That we're family. It's not us against them. There is no distinction. It's we. And we are family. We have moved from strangers to family. Because of what Christ accomplished on our behalf. Built on the foundation of of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so we can trace back our history not individually, but collectively as a people. We go back and we see that we have no hope. Ephesians 2 is where we are. If you have your Bible apps or your Bibles, if you didn't leave them in the car or outside on the sidewalk. Ephesians 2, uh, we, we start at verse 19 and it says this, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And so we just looked and we've seen throughout our journey of Ephesians chapter 2 just the incredible journey that the Gentiles got to experience as a result of what Jesus Christ accomplished. And, and we see here too that Christ, Christ came and he, he was... He was coming to be built upon a, a foundation that, that the prophets established. If you go back, we have a problem. It doesn't take very long in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to figure out. We have a little bit of a problem, and that problem is called sin. God created us, so God gets to make the rules, and, and we 
rebelled against that which God told us to do. And so as a result, our relationship with God had, had been cut off, had been severed. There was, there was distance there because God's a holy God and we're imperfect people. And so God loves us so much that in his foreknowledge, he knew that we were going to sin. And so he made a way for us to have a restored relationship through his son, Jesus. And God establishes a nation, and he gives that nation a promise that he's going to raise up a prophet, a priest, and a king. And through, throughout the course of the nation Israel, throughout the course of the Old Testament, what we see is at different times, different offices were, were fulfilled, and yet they were never ultimately fulfilled in the one fulfillment that is Jesus. And so there were prophets, and, and they were given glimpses of that which, which God was going to do through his son Jesus, but they never fully got to experience the entire picture that we are blessed to see and that entire picture is Christ, fully God, fully man. He comes, he dies on the cross so that we could have a relationship with God. And he destroys any barriers as a result of his work there on the cross. The foundation. And so what we have to understand is when we take part in our faith in Jesus Christ, we are part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. We are part of, of God's plan that he instituted for us. Now, we understand this, this foundation aspect from, from buildings. When, when you build a building, you know that there are going to be a lot of things that could happen to that building. There's going to be a lot of elements that come against that building. And so you want to build a, a, you want to build a building that is going to stand the test of time. And so it's very important how you start that building, how you lay its foundation. One well-known architectural firm states this about the foundation. Everything goes on top of the foundation. If it is well-built, the structure on top has a better chance of turning out right. And a solid foundation is an anchor for all that follows. In a building, the foundation carries the load of the structure on top of it, as well as any future anticipated loads, such as people, furniture, and furnishings. When a foundation is plumb and level, everything that goes on top of it will be simpler to install. All building trades are depending on the building foundation being right. The soils that support the foundation are equally important to the success of the building. Oftentimes the soil must be replaced or amended to be capable of bridging a foundation. When it comes to building projects and life in general, the foundation is the most important work and the basis of everything that comes after. And so the prophets are pointing to Christ, and Christ shows up on the scene. He dies on the cross for us, and Christ becomes the most important piece in the foundation, and that is the cornerstone. Now, the cornerstone was oftentimes the first stone that was laid, and all the other foundation of the building would be derived from that position. It's the first stone set in the construction of a foundation. All other stones are set in reference to this stone, determining the position of the entire structure. That is Christ. He is the centerpiece of our foundation. Last week we looked at Ephesians 2 a little earlier in the passage, and we saw so much in the passage talking about peace, and people wonder, how can I experience this peace? And the only way we can experience peace in this life is to have Christ as our foundation. That is the only possible way we will experience true peace. Because people, they fail you. Jobs, they will move on without you. 
I promise you, your job, it's important to you now. And the people you work with are your friends. But the job will function without you. And when you leave, new friendships will be made. And so I'm begging you, don't put your foundation in your work. Because it's empty. Don't put it in people. Because no matter how much they love you, they will fail you. They cannot be your foundation. I love my wife. I love her more than anybody else in this entire world. And yet I fail my wife probably more than anybody else in this entire world. Because I'm broken, because I'm imperfect. We cannot put our foundation in anything apart from Christ and expect us to find the peace that we talked about last week. Christ must be our foundation. And yet something interesting has happened with cornerstones as there's new technology and as, as there's new means of building buildings. Over time, a cornerstone became a ceremonial stone set in a prominent location on the outside of a building with an inscription on the stone indicating the construction dates of the building and the names of the architect, builder, and other significant individuals. The cornerstone transitioned from that which was the very key to the foundation to being a piece of decoration. And I wonder, I just wonder, have we treated Christ in that same way? Where at one point we recognized He was the foundation. Everything in our lives was built upon that. But over time, He became a ceremonial marker. Something that's no longer our foundation but something we wear, something we identify ourselves by, something we want everybody to know us by. Are we guilty? So this can impact us personally. But the second aspect is corporal. And I look around and I wonder, how many churches have steeples pointing to heaven while they're leading people straight to hell? Because at one point in time, Christ was the foundation. And yet now, he's an ornament. Now, he's something they cling to on the outside. He's something they show off. But he's not the foundation of what they do. And I'm not here to come off on other churches. I'm not trying to tear them down. And yet it breaks my heart when I hear of people who go to a church which should be the hope of this world. They go to the church seeking peace. And what they're told is, well, Christ is an option, but he's not the only option. Come, we'll baptize you because it's convenient. We'll join you on the journey, but we won't tell you anything you don't want to hear. Because we want you to feel affirmed. May Christ always be our foundation. Personally and corporately. May we never, ever be guilty of misplacing Christ. May we never move him from that which is where he should be. And that is our foundation. May we always 
always, always make sure that all we do is central to Jesus Christ. And may we never compromise, no matter, no matter what our culture tells us, may we never compromise on the truth of the gospel. And that is, apart from Christ, there is no peace. Apart from Christ, there is no relationship with God. May he always be our foundation. May we be built upon that foundation corporately and individually. Are you relying on your parents' faith? Are you relying on your parents' faith? Or is it the foundation of your life? Are you relying on a church that you've gone to? Or are you relying on a personal relationship with Jesus? Being a part of Mission View cannot save you. We cannot bring you peace. Only Christ can. And our job is to point you to that foundation, that cornerstone. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The whole structure is joined together. With Christ as our foundation, each of us becomes a brick that is linked to that foundation and the new temple that God is building. And the whole structure is joined together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so individually, we all take part of that new temple. Now, the old structure of the temple we see in the Old Testament. And this is where the Gentiles could go in their court. The women could go in their court. The, men could go, the Jewish men could go in their court. And then the priests and then the high priests. And there were all of these areas. This is the old temple. And the old temple was a place that you had to go to to worship. This is the structure of the old temple. This is the barrier that Christ broke down that we talked about last week. And this, this week we see, is the payoff for us. This is the practical implication for us. Because the old temple, the old structure, it was broken. And now the new temple is the new structure. And the new structures that our bodies are the temple in which the Holy Spirit resides. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20. We don't have time to go there this morning. But 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 tell us that within us the Spirit of God resides. Do you understand the implications of this? If you are a Christ follower, God resides inside of you. You don't have to go anywhere. He's there. He's there. 
He's in you. Something very interesting was noted in, in the consumer observer. They, they looked at the city, New York City, and they compared the presence of Pizza Hut and the presence of Domino's in New York City. And here's what they found. While Pizza Hut has over 6,200 stores across the United States, they have only 16 in New York City. 6,200 stores nationally, but only 16 in the city. Domino's, on the other hand, has 4,900 stores across the country, and yet 70 stores in New York City. So while Pizza Hut has 1,300 more stores in the country, they have 54 fewer stores in the city. This puzzled many observers, and they began to wonder why. Why is the presence of Domino's, while less nationally, so much more in the city? And what they landed on was the business model. The business model of Pizza Hut is largely one that works in suburbia. But it's one in which they, they advertise for their clients to come in to their restaurant, to sit down, to order pizza, and to eat it in the restaurant to come to them. Domino's, on the other hand, popularized free delivery of pizza in the United States. And for Domino's, it has always been about taking their pizza to people. As opposed to people coming to them, the business model of Domino's has been them taking their product out to the people. They'll bring it to them. And this is the transition of the temple. In the Old Testament, the model was come to the temple. In the New Testament, the model is we, Christ followers, are the temple. We, with God residing inside of us, have a job. Not primarily to bring people in here, but to take the hope and the peace and the restoration and the forgiveness that we have as a result of being a part of Christ. And taking that out to the world around us. This is the transition. And this is the job for all. It's not the job of the priest or the pastor. It's the job of everyone. To take our message... And to share it with this world where they are. Not enticing them to come where we are. So this looks like us making sure that we have friendships outside these walls. This looks like us making sure that when we go to work, 
We go to work with, with more than a passion for a paycheck, but we go to work with a passion for those that we work for and with. That when we go home, we don't just stay inside of our house constantly, but we go across the street and introduce ourselves to our neighbors. That when we go to school, we don't just keep to ourselves but we talk to the people who sit next to us in class and have a locker right next to us. This is the new model. The Spirit of God resides within us. And this is our job. And so we gather here weekly as a celebration, as a celebration of that which Christ has accomplished on our behalf, the fact that at one point in time we were without Christ, we were strangers, we were aliens, we had no God and we had no hope, but as a result of what Christ did through his work on the cross, when he died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day, we can have hope, we can have peace, we can be restored to God. And so we come and we celebrate that. And we come and we encourage one another. And we come and we compliment one another's gifts. And we function as a body. But it doesn't end when we come on Sunday. It must translate throughout the week. So Jesus, in his last time speaking with his disciples, gave them a mission. Call it the Great Commission. It's, you can find it in Matthew 28. But what he tells his disciples is there's a new way to do things. And he says, Go. And make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so in March, we're going to be doing another baptism here. Because we believe in it and Jesus told us to. So I think it's a pretty good idea to follow that. And if you weren't with us for our first baptism in the fall, it was absolutely awesome. One of my favorite things about it was it wasn't just Steve or myself or Mitch or Nick or Kelly or anybody else you know, from, the, from the church leadership up there as though we were the only ones who could baptize somebody. No. What it was was if you have a relationship with somebody, you baptize them. Because you're the temple. The Spirit of God's at work with you. You've been given a job. And that is one aspect of the fulfillment of that job. And so if you're here and you're a Christ follower and you haven't been baptized, well, you probably should be because you're your foundation. Jesus told you to be. And so you can talk to us about that today or you can call the office this week or send us an email. And when you do, we, we want to hear your story. We want to hear what God's done in your life. But we're going to ask you another question, too. 
And that's who would you like to baptize you? And if it's, if it's me, I, I'd be honored. If it's Steve, I'm sure he'd be honored. But if it's somebody else in your life, we're going to be right there cheering you on with them. We're going to love to see it. Because that's what God's called us to. That's what God's called us to do. Christ is our cornerstone, and we're all, we're all an aspect of that, and we're all a brick in, in His temple. And so today is the last day. If you haven't already signed the membership form, you can, you can write out there the affirmation just saying, I want to be part of this, this local church. We recognize that this is not the only church, but just this branch of that where all of us unite and we come together to rejoice and worship God and live life together and serve as one body. And we would love to have you be part of that. And today's the last day. So if you haven't signed the affirmation, sign the affirmation. And if, if you haven't done that, you want to go on your online, you can fill it out online till midnight tonight. And we'll welcome you as part of the first class of new, new members here. And we just recognize you as that. And after today, don't worry, there's still opportunities for you. But just because this initial run was, was going to be so many people. After today, we're going to just ask that you have an interview with one of the pastors or somebody on staff or leadership here at the church, and don't freak out. It's not something to worry about, but I know a lot of you are going to go sign the affirmation now as a result of finding that out, and that's fine too. I wouldn't want to talk to me necessarily either. It's okay. So fill out that form, and, and just then you don't have to worry about it. And practically, practically, Let's make sure that Christ is our foundation. That he hasn't become a ceremonial decoration. But that we are striving to know him more today than we were yesterday. That we're striving to obey him better today than we were yesterday. And serve him more than we ever have before. Let's make sure he's our focus. I love, I love what God is doing here. I love what we've already seen him accomplish. And I'm honored and privileged to be a part of it. But just know, it's not me. It's not Steve, it's not Mitch, it's not Nick, it's not Kelly, it's not the elders. It's us. And the reason I say it's us is because God is within us. And this is His. We just have the privilege of doing it. God, I pray that you would be our foundation. I pray that you would be that which we strive after.
individually, corporately. God, thank you for what you're doing here in your church. Lord, I pray that as you've called us to go, that we would go boldly with passion. God, I pray that we would see that it's our job, not the church's, it's our job individually as part of the new temple, recipients of grace. God, what a privilege it is to work with you. God, I pray that if there's anybody on the fence because of fear or God, just for any other reason, who, who doesn't want to be baptized and they're going back and forth in their, in their heart and in their mind because they know they should be, but they don't want to be. God, I pray that you would just push them over the edge. You would remind them that you are their foundation, not their peers. And God, I pray in full obedience, they would just relinquish that to you. And God, together in March, we would celebrate that. Lord, I thank you for all the people you've brought together to this new ministry. And God, I pray that we would never lose sight of you as our foundation. And God, I pray with passion and with vigor, we would go and we would serve our neighbors. We would serve our coworkers. We would serve our community for your glory. God, equip and empower us to do your work. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for the privilege it is to be yours, to be your children, to be your servants, to no longer be strangers, but to be members of your household. And God, it's in appreciation we pray these things to you. In your son, Jesus' name. job isn't to bring them here. job's to go out there. Let's do that this week with passion. Well, this concludes the first almost two-hour service of Mission View Church. I'd have never thought it was me and not Steve who led us here, So, uh, but I have. I want to let you know there's not going to be any student ministry today. Uh, there is going to be a shortened commons time, and if anybody's able to help us, we need to just tear down this stage as soon as we can because uh, Beauty and the Beast is going on this afternoon. But we're so, so thankful that you're here. God bless you. We'll see you out there.